Celtic are back at the top table this week as we take on Dutch Champions Feyenoord on match day one of this season's Champions League. This is Tino with the countdown to kick-off and I'm joined for this one by James. James, this is what it's all about, but a tough place to be starting away in Rotterdam. Yeah, um, there's there's none of the places you'd like to go for the first game. They're all going to be tough. It's, it's that kind of group. It's a really exciting group that I think everyone will fancy themselves into a certain degree. So... This is the Champions League, that's what you get. Yeah, um, we've obviously covered that in a bit of detail on last week's weekly show, but again, just your, your quick thoughts in general on the group. Should we have aspirations to becoming second or maybe third in a group that contains Lazio and Atletico Madrid as well as Feyenoord? Yeah, I mean, we've got to fancy ourselves at home for at least two of the three games and with Roger's more pragmatic style and the team, the team starting to click a bit, then maybe we can pick up points on the road. I think tomorrow is early in this team's development, so it really comes down to how well Roger sets the players out and motivates them, much like he did at Ibrox when we were very unfancied that day, so could happen again. Yeah, I talk about you know big occasions call for big players, but it also calls for big managers, and it's a, it's a real test of Roger's um, you know, own standing in the game and, you know, Lots of credit in the bank in terms of being such a, a good and talented coach. But, you know, this is a, a tougher test as any for him, isn't it? 100%. But, you know, Rodgers doesn't like self-belief, as we've said before. And he'll thrive on coming up against Stanislaw, you know, who's a, a much fancied um, manager, turned down the Tottenham job, that kind of thing. So and another man that doesn't like self-confidence. So he'll enjoy that and he'll thrive on that. Yeah, I'd say so. Um Lots of credit went to Celtic for last season, showing you know lots of really good performances, and you know played against Real Madrid in the game for long spells. But ultimately, all we got from the six games was two points. Can we improve on that? And should we be improving on that? I think yes to both. I was talking to a, a Spurs pal last night who's you know just got a hoop on uh, having Ange at the helm there, and we're talking about football styles and. Champions League last year, we were talking just about that and I said, you know, it's great to watch you know, it's fast football and you learn a lot and you try and build on that, you know, the plan was obviously to, obviously to build on what we'd achieved in performance terms last year but the same result is, you know, a few spankings along the way so, you know I never really couldn't really celebrate playing really well against Real Madrid at home for half an hour because the game doesn't last for half an hour. You know, it lasts for 90 minutes and Ancelotti went in at half time and said, right, I see exactly what they're doing. Here's how you combat that. He changed it up and they gave us a thrashing. So um, I think we can and will improve on that because Rodgers is less idealistic than Ange. I think Ange is idealistic on his style and won't compromise on that, whereas Rodgers is a bit more, right, there's no point in doing that because we're not going to... Um, win with that kind of outlook, albeit he was quite idealistic, I would say, in his first out in the Celtic in the Champions League, but I think he's got better players now, and that's a big difference. Yeah, I think um, just in terms of Ange, some of the performances, you know, certainly not the results, but some of the performances, it did at least give you hope that there was potential for this group to then, you know, develop further and, and maybe do something more. But that's all changed. Andrew's gone. He's, he's old news. I see he's spinning the same old lines down south, by the way. Uh, the latest was 
you know, he was asked about temper and fans' expectations. He's like, listen, it's not my job. If they want to dream, let them dream. And I thought, I've, I've heard all this before, but by the by, that's Ange's playbook. Um, but yeah, ultimately, results are what it's all about. And I'd like to think that after his first couple of forays into the Champions League with Celtic, he's experienced down south. I've said it before, I think this is a different Brendan Rodgers who'll take different approaches when required. And I think he'll be quite pragmatic on the night and he won't be glued to any one system. He'll do what he needs to do to try and get a, a result of sorts, whether that's a draw or even a win, if we can manage that. Um, just to have a quick look at our most recent result, we'll get to final in a minute, but obviously, you know, I were there together. Uh, Saturday's 3 now win over Dundee. General thoughts in terms of the, the win, the performance, and, and how the group will be feeling at this moment in time? Yeah, they have to take confidence from the second half performance. Um, Roger said it himself, you know, they, they upped the tempo in the second half. My question would be, why didn't they up the tempo in the first half? You know, it wasn't just down to Dundee Kyron. They were well organised, as Tony Dock would have them, you'd expect them to do. Um, but we were flat and pedestrian in the first half. And I was just thinking this morning, you turn in that performance tomorrow night, you're 2-3 down at half time, and that's a long way back. So we've got to learn from how we've not even finished the game, but from how we started the second half. And that's got to be from the first minute. Could a reason for the lack of tempo be two guys in particular? David Turnbull, who's a slower type of player, and you've also got a Nat Phillips bringing the ball out from the back, who's clearly rusty at this moment in time and lacking Mark Sharpness. I think uh, there's every chance Rio Hattati's going to start, and we'll get to that shortly, and there's a call to be made at the back, and I think, yes, you know, Celtic were a bit flat and a bit pedestrian at times during that first half, but as you see, the game's come, you know, maybe too early for us, but I do you know, see Celtic coming away from that sluggishness as we just start to settle down the team. Yeah, I think particularly looking at Nat Phillips, you know, part of the thing is he's driving with the ball. Um, he's been showing that channel like Malcolm McKay used to show Carter Vickers and he's able to advance way up the pitch and he's kind of not used to that as a defender. So he gets to that point and he's going kind of, not what do I do, but he's then turned back or gone square rather than driving. You know, if you look at Starfelt, he used to take that, go past the first... Uh, press and once he got there he was driving for the 18 yard box and nothing else so it's maybe a lack of exposure to that type of um, openness to Nat Phillips that led to us turning back and slowing down Turnbull's Turnbull, he's a slow considered player, intelligent footballer maybe not what we're looking for Hatati has to start, absolutely I'd like to think so. We'll get to your selections just shortly. Did you mention Malcolm McKay there? By that, do you mean how he sets up at Ross County and how he allows our centre half to first come to see that. Yeah, Ross County last season, we're, we're basically saying to Carter Vickers, you know, come as far as you want. But Carter Vickers had the experience and always to say, I will and I'll find my, my movers and my um, my forwards from that. So Tony Dock's taking leaf out of Malcolm McKay's playbook there, I would say. Yeah, and I think um, we noted at the time, didn't we, that Nat Phillips has been allowed fairly deep into the um, the Dundee half on Saturday without any great pressure, which is fine from, from both accounts, fine from Dundee if they want to do that and Celtic will be more than happy, but you then need to execute a, a decent pass when you got there. And I think we'll give him a wee bit of allowance that he's not been playing much football and Phillips is, is rusty at this moment in time. But yeah, the, the incisive pass that we needed wasn't there and there's no way final they're going to let your centre half walk deep into their half so very different proposition uh, on Tuesday let's look at the availability so as we know we're not wanting to dwell on now but Carter Vickers remains out as does Navrocki and Welsh from a defensive point of view Leah Labada's picked up his knock out for a few months Marco Tellio 
unavailable, but also not in the squad for Champions League stuff. Um, speaking of that, Phillips, he rolled his ankle and that's why he was replaced at half-time, but indications are that he should be okay. Uh, and Kyogo, he's also got his ongoing shoulder issues. By all accounts, he jumped in, a, you know, midway through the first half to pop it back into place, but seems to be fine. It's it's not a great situation, but he seems to be managing it. Um, and Hitati, he seems to have come through the, the return on Saturday unscathed, and that's a, a huge plus. I'd mentioned a couple of guys out the squad there, so Tillo's not in the squad for Champions League. Neither's Navrocki due to his injury, nor is Quan uh, and Benjamin Segrist from a goalie point of view. Like last season, James, it's you know happened a few things. It is frustrating to get into a Champions League fixture without your your main centre-half option in Cameron Catter-Vickers. But Rodgers does have some other decent options available across the squad, doesn't he? Yeah, we have to have confidence in those. You know, um, obviously Phillips was a was a crucial signing towards the end of the window as a essentially a stopgap. Um, and we're seeing enough from him that on Saturday he didn't get you know as as much chance to defend as he as he will tomorrow night, and that's that's where he'll come to the fore. He's a solid, solid defender. And then obviously when he when he gets his chances to come out, he's got a bit of experience now with the ball at his feet. So. Um, yeah, it's just football. You know, you're, you're always carrying injuries. Someone did a really interesting um, stat last week, one of the uh, the fan media sites. It was average number of players injured over the last 10 years. And this is the highest we've ever had. You know, Andrew was relatively lucky. Um, something like 2.4 on average players injured across his, his term. And Rogers up at like 6.7 or something. That's crazy, you know. So, but... <sighs> That's why we've got the big squad. So we've just got to utilise it and get on with it. Yeah, I've seen the article in question. It was from Alan Morrison, um, who we've had ah, on the yeah. show. Alan's, Alan's Celtic by numbers on Twitter, if you want to check him out. And he's just, he, that's his world. You know, data and analysis is, is what he does, what he specialises in. And it was just such an interesting, you know, you know, point to pick up on. And it's just it's just bad luck. You know, there's nobody to blame. And I think that, you know, some people have suggested, oh, Rogers comes back and we're picking up soft tissue injuries and all that stuff. It's just football. Guys get injured and it's it's luck or it's it's lack of luck at times. And the good thing from my point of view is that Rogers hasn't moaned about it. He's not said, listen, you can understand. I've got you know guys in the treatment room here. He's not gone to the well, you know, the excuse well, if you like. And I like that. I think he's saying, listen, we've got talented players here. We're Celtic Football Club and we've got enough quality to get by. Bigger challenge, though, of course, uh, in terms of Feyenoord. Just before we get to your lineup, um, just very quickly, uh, a question on how you think he'll set up in general. So, We've spoken about Ange, haven't we, and how one size fits all. He's got one approach to football and that's it. It won't change. But do you see more caution, perhaps more pragmatism from Rodgers as he heads into this one? I think the key for tomorrow night is going to be Matt O'Reilly and Callum McGregor. They're going to have to put a hell of a shift in because they're both going to be asked to play defensive and attack when when required. The formation is going to change depending on what stage, what 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 status of the game we're at? Are we attacking? Are we defending? Um, mostly O'Reilly, you're going to see flitting between an eight and a six, if you like, up beside Atati and down beside McGregor. But I'm sure I'm sure McGregor will go as well when he sees the opportunities. But he'll be targeted. He'll be well policed, so that you're you're looking at maybe O'Reilly having a bit more freedom to flip between the two, and and that is it. So it's going to be a you know, a four-two-one-three, a four-one-two-three kind of formation, depending on how how things go. But essentially, a four-three-three with flexibility. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly what's going to happen. We'll, you know, we'll get to it in terms of the personnel. I, I I can't see past the midfield though being McGregor, O'Reilly, and Hattie. 
But I think they'll be challenged as football players and as intelligent football players, all three of them, to pick and choose when to be more adventurous going forward. I think you might find them set up more defence-minded, maybe, I don't know, 65 70% of the time. But on that occasion, you know, that 30% when it presents itself, can you go? Can you go and, you know, join your forwards and make your late runs into the box to try and get on the end of something? So it's going to be really interesting. And, and just from a tactical point of view, but we'll see it unfold, you know, in the early stages of the game, exactly how rigid and defensive and disciplined these guys will be asked to be. Um, let's get to the lineup. So goalkeeper not in question, Joe Hart. Just want to mention, I put an article out about him yesterday and he's had criticism, you know, in terms of his pre-season and maybe his, his early couple of games this season and probably valid criticism, but I also think to an extent over the top. And he showed at Ibrox and again in the the one real time he was called upon on Saturday that he's still a goalie that can come and make big saves when required. So credit to him for that and he'll definitely start uh, tomorrow night. In terms of the back four, then that, that is a big question, isn't it? So I don't see anything other than uh, Alistair Johnson at right back and Greg Taylor at left back. But what two, what two would you go for and what two do you think Rodgers will go for in the centre-half pairing? It's really tough. Um, you know, when the, when the quality level uh, rises, I think it's where you see it becoming really, really tough for skills. You know, he's under constant pressure, no time on the ball. He needs time on the ball. Um, but then, my, you know, I think Phillips, let's just kind of put that to bed, like, I think Phillips will start. That's why he was managed as he was on Saturday. Um, I think the plan was to bring him off after an hour anyway, but he rolled that ankle, which doesn't seem to be a problem, but they just kind of put him on ice. So they're obviously saying, we need you for Tuesday. So let's say Johnson, Phillips and, and Taylor are your starters. Taylor were maybe a wee bit forced into, but we are where we are. Um, so the question is, it's like a bell cut or scales. Um, both need time on the ball. Neither are going to get time on the ball. Scales is more probably more naturally left-footed. My big issue is your left centre-half is going to have to do a big job in protecting and helping and showing for Greg Taylor because he's going to be targeted as well as I'm saying McGregor earlier on for different reasons. Um, so with a more naturally left-sided player, you know, does that help out? But I think Lager Bielka is just, at the basics of it, a better defender. So I'd be going uh, Nat Phillips and Lager Bielka. Oh, your rationale. I was, I was listening carefully and it was convincing me that, that Phillips and Scales are the guys for the job. I, th I actually think, I'm basing a lot of it actually on the fact that they're the two that started on Saturday. And I think Rodgers was starting them with a view to them potentially being his pairing. You could toss a coin over Lager Bielka and Scales just now. There's not a lot in it. Because there's, they've got obviously they've got their pluses, you know, not to discredit them as players, but they've certainly got weaknesses that, that could be exploited. But Phillips, you've mentioned that a couple of times now, and I think you're right in that he is, he'll be akin to somebody like Starfelt. First and foremost, a really good defender, and Celtic are going to need really good defenders against a really good Feyenoord side, and I think that's absolutely why Phillips will be there. He won't be tasked with carrying the ball forward anywhere like as much as he was in that first half on Saturday. So he's in there to defend and, and give his presence. He's six foot three, big, powerful guy. And I do think it'll be skills, but I'll, I'll take the note that you think he'll go for Lager Bielka. And we've agreed Johnston and Taylor right and left back. And that midfield three, we've touched on it. Um, as I say, I can't see past McGregor O'Reilly Hattati. The bottom line is they're the best three midfielders at the club at this moment in time. You could argue that Thiago Home might become something. Bernardo, some, some good flashes uh, from him on Saturday but 
do you see anything different in the, the three we've mentioned? No, no, I, I think it's it's got to be that. They're the three best players, they're probably the three most intelligent players as far as we know from, from what we've seen so far as well. And intelligence in the game is going to be really crucial um, tomorrow night. You know, Tati has suffered a wee bit in the past from maybe a lack of, I think it's a wee bit harsh to say lack of work effort, but just not the same work effort as McGregor and O'Reilly. O'Reilly's, you know, pressing, playing, breaking down and chasing is, is phenomenal. And they're obviously turning that into really intelligent attacking play as well. But Atati's just got that something special. And you're going to need that to when you're moving from defence into attack. So it's those three. But look at those options on the bench, Home and Bernardo for your midfield. I think they're really high draw options to be, be to be able to bring off the bench. If you need to shore up a wee bit, Home's a guy. If you need to... You know, you're two one down, whatever, and you need to get something from the game. Bernardo's a guy. I think we saw enough from him on Saturday that he's shown that you know he's a baller. He can play. So yeah, we're starting to get not just numbers in that midfield, but real quality numbers as well. So happy enough with the cover there. Yeah, real quality, and it's it's a it's a real balance that seems to have been struck. As you say, there's there's options if you need to throw an attacking midfielder on, if you need to throw somebody defence minded, and even Awata. We've not touched on Awata, and he's he's barely featured. But we know that if push came to shove and we really needed somebody on to sit in that defensive midfield role for a time in the game, whether that's 30 minutes or five minutes at the end, there's somebody there as well if, if we needed to take that option. Um, and in terms of O'Reilly, you'll of course, I've seen the speculation that Leeds had bid £10 million for him and there was other clubs interested down south. Tomorrow night is exactly why he's a Celtic player. He, he's He'll be travelling today, no doubt, heading to Rotterdam to play in the Champions League for Celtic. And there's nowhere he'd rather be. You can see at this moment in time, he's just thoroughly enjoying his football. He's playing with a flair, a confidence, tucked another nice goal away on Saturday there. And the alternative would be, I don't even know who's in the championship. Who do you play? Stoke and, I don't know. Millwall the weekend. Oh, Millwall, right. Okay, so you, you, you do you want to go to the Den and play Millwall or do you want to go to the Cope and play against Feyenoord? And I think there's only one answer there. Um, I mentioned before, so good good midfield options and Quan unavailable. And we'll just need to see what happens. He's not been picked for the squad and it's not great signs early in his Celtic career that they've made an early call that he won't feature. Maybe he's a development guy, but we'll just need to sit tight on that one. I think the homegrown talent thing feeds into that as well. If that wasn't such a stipulation, you might have found Quan was as a bit of a, an outsider in the squad. But with that pressure and you're down to 17 players, it, it just has to be. So I wouldn't read too much into it. I think, you know, he's a development guy. You know, he's coming from a um, lesser level of football, lots to learn. But, you know, plenty of time for that. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? It's, we've signed Bernardo very late in the window there because the opportunity came up. It wasn't somebody necessarily on the radar. And had Bernardo not been signed, there's every chance Quan would have been in here and things could have looked very different. But that's football. You know, it's cutthroat and it's... It's so competitive for places, and that's that's where Celtic and Quan find themselves at this moment in time. Hey, up top, um, it's almost certainly going to be Kyogo and Maeda for for obvious reasons. But who joins them, James? We've seen Yang get the start on Saturday, done well at times, but maybe lacked you know final ball and still finding his feet to an extent. And then we get Louis Palmer for the last half hour or so, and just a guy to get excited about. There were some stats doing the rounds about his completed passes and his short time on the park compared to Yang's you know, hour or so that he got. And the stats were very much in Palmer's favour. And he is a guy that looks looks to make things happen. He's also a fit guy. I don't see him as a luxury as a winger. I, I think he's the kind of guy that 
if required, he can get back and put in a shift. So there's the call. Do you think he goes for Palmer or Yang? It's not really a talent question. It's a position question. So if you want Palmer, then Maeda goes on the right. And that's not where he's most comfortable. It's not where he does his best work. He does his best work in pinning in right backs and you know pushing from that side. So Palmer, for me, is a better player than Yang from what we've seen. Um, like you say, he's just the type of player that excites you. But it's, it disrupts your formation in that you're having to push Maeda across to the right and play Palmer in his most comfortable left wing. I think it will still be uh, Yang and Maeda and Palmer will come off the bench. I think that's a wee bit like what you're saying about the back with Skills and Phillips. I think we set up that way on Saturday to see how, we, uh, how we're going to line up on Tuesday. Yeah, and it might just be just too soon. Again, you've made the, the point, if this game were just next midweek and we had another game or so to bed in, you might just find Louis Palmer starting and you might um, see some other changes across the board. But possibly, uh, right, in terms of Yang, Yang's been a, a full part, more or less, of pre-season. He knows what Brendan Rodgers wants and expects from his wingers. He spent plenty of time in the training field and had a number of games now. What I think is good, though, whether it's Yang or Maeda or Palmer, um, there is that flexibility that they can, you know, all three of those players can play left or right. So if there are changes mid-game, or even just, you know, now and then you'll see managers switch it up and say, we've certainly seen it with Angela lot where Maeda yeah. and Jota switched across just to give yourself a different option. And you might find that at times. I agree from a defensive point of view, Maeda does his best work pinning in right backs, but he can do both sides, you know, as we've seen at different times. And it's good to have that flexibility. We mentioned the flexibility and the options in midfield. And there are some decent options up top. The hope is that Marco Tilio is back available before long. Not for Champions League, he's not made that squad, but just to be a, you know, a, a general presence, you know, for the domestic stuff. And further down the line, we've got Leah Labada, of course, who at some point will make his comeback. So there are good options when everyone's fit and firing. But let's see what he goes with on the on the night. Just to confirm your team, then, James. So Joe Hart and goals. Alistair Johnson right back. Greg Taylor left back. And we've got Phillips and Lager Bielka for you in the centre. Midfield two, and two sitting a wee bit deeper would be McGregor and O'Reilly with Hatati, slightly more advanced. And then up top, Kyogo through the middle, Maeda left wing, and Yang on the right. Um, as you've mentioned, there are good options on the bench, though, isn't there? You know, if, if Celtic need to make changes enforced or otherwise, there's decent options. And I think if you think back to Ange's early European stuff, Europa League-wise, and in terms of the options he had at that time, there was kids coming off the bench, there was... Albina Yetis and, and all that kind of stuff. And from Rogers, like that, you know. Say again. Injured guys like Yurigidi and stuff on the bench, you know. Yeah. And from a from a squad point of view, yes, there's frustrations that Celtic never added to the left back position or striker. But generally speaking, across the board, there is cover there that if something happens, either injury or we want to make a tactical switch up, there are options there to to do so. Yeah, I think there's I think they're covering most areas apart from where we're weakest, where, where we need it most. You know, being left back, um, and if you know Kyogo's shoulder goes in the first five minutes, you've got O on for for eighty five, and I just don't think he's at the level yet. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I totally agree. The, the, the um, talent team, if that's what they're called, have done a great job around midfield. They've, they've done as best as they can at centre half with guys just dropping like flies. Um, I still really like Tony Ralston um, to cover Johnson where needed and 
as we've discussed, there's a plethora of options in the wings. So, yeah, we better work to be done in January. Um, and I think that will impact on our uh, ability to get out of this group. But we are where we are and we've just got to go for it. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone calls them the talent team, but let's start calling them the talent team. It's something uh, like that. Yeah, so, so we'll go with that moving forward. Let's take a look uh, at Feyenoord themselves. So we've covered a bit of this in the weekly, but certainly to, to catch the detail of it, they, they won the Eredivisie by seven points last season, beating both PSV and Ajax to the title. They're the pot one side in the group, so on paper, you know, they're meant to be the, the best option out of the four. They're currently a point off PSV at the top of the, the Dutch league, um, but their last three league results have been 6-1, 5-1, and 6-1, so respectively against Herenveen, Utrecht and Almere City. So what it shows, James, is they, they concede goals, uh, one every game. What's the what's the issue here? Score the one, don't lose the five, and you're, you're flying. I think they had a slow start to the league campaign, but they've really um, picked up. But they're missing uh, a few crucial players, aren't they? So uh, Jimenez is suspended. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's their main... You know, who's to scoring a lot of those goals in the five and six ones. And uh, Ayasi Uda is injured. So, you know, they're, they're not without their, their problems themselves. Um, and if we can kind of limit the goals they're scoring by that stroke of luck and still score our one, we might sneak it. Yeah, so you've rightfully mentioned, so Japanese striker Ayasi Ueda, he picked up an injury uh, in their international break. Their regular goalie is a guy called Justin Bilo, and he broke his wrist, I think, in the first game of the season. So it's a backup goalie that's in just now. And Jimenez, that you mentioned, he's suspended for the first two games of the group. So it's a bonus for Celtic. They're without their, their recognised front men, but they do have decent talent across the board. They'll also be playing with confidence, you know, having won those games 6-1, 5-1, um, But you're right, they did have a slow start to the campaign. They they drew their first couple, um, but it does seem that they've found their feet uh, maybe at the wrong time for Celtic. The, the manager, you've mentioned Danny Slot, uh, one of the highest rated managers across Europe and definitely a guy that Rodgers will look forward to going toe-to-toe -to -toe with. You know, that's the kind of challenges he's at Celtic for, but there's no doubt he's a, a smart and very accomplished coach. The player to look out for, by all accounts, is their latest signing. So it's the, the left winger, Luka Ivanusic, signed for 8.5 million euro from Dynamo Zagreb. He got their opening goal at the weekend and that 6-1-1 over here and being and he'll definitely be, be somebody to look out for. From their point of view, James, as I say, they're pot one, they're flying in the league, and they find themselves at home on match day one against us, the pot four team, and they'd be pretty happy with that, wouldn't they? Yeah, if you look at it that way, you know, anything less than three points would be very disappointing from a final point of view. You know, you could put a bit of um, pressure on the manager if that was to, to transpire. But, you know, football's not played, played on paper and all that stuff. Um, we've got a squad that's growing in confidence, it's growing in cohesion. Um, there's just something starting to click. And, you know, it is tomorrow night the Real Betis for, for Rodgers, uh, like Anchad, where it all started to click. Um, Personnel-wise, personnel we're still not where we want to be in, guys, in terms of guys coming back. But there's enough talent there to be able to put up a you know, put up stiff opposition. And there's enough talent in football terms, you know, in terms of flair and attacking play, that we should be putting them under pressure too. So I think it's going to be quite a balanced game. Very, very key is, you know, as old as the hills in football, first 20 minutes, you know, don't do the usual Celtic, you know, 
one down after five minutes and stuff like that. So if we kind of keep it tight and play our game for the first 20 minutes, then we can start to kind of come out and play football after that. This is what Maff said, doesn't it? You know, you've just sat down, you've sparked your first can before you've had a drink. It's it's 1-0 to the opposition. And let's hope Celtic can... And your detons off. Yeah, let's hope we can sit tight, certainly in the early stages, and see what we get out of the game. I've mentioned, you know, fine order and depth in terms of, you know, the threats that they'll bring and the, the confidence they have. But we've got dangers of our own, you know, for Kyogo Furuhashi. Now's the time. If you want to step up and show that you're top, top level, he's done it all and then some in Scotland, you know, domestically, he's the top man. He picked up all the trophies last season, scored 34 goals, and he's he's already got four, I think, for the, the league campaign so far. But to be deemed as top level and certainly to be spoken about in the conversations alongside guys like Larson and people have asked the question is he the best since Larson? He could be but you need to start scoring goals in Europe like Larson eh, and others you know have done for Celtic so this is a huge test for Kyogo but we know he's got real quality and, and that's a danger that we possess Um, you've also got Hitati coming back he'll be buzzing to go O'Reilly probably in the best form of his Celtic career Tyson Maeda who knows he can give you Browns he can give you nonsense but he can be a threat so Celtic have got you know, dangers that, that we're well aware of. And there's also the added factor, there's the unknown quantities. We've touched on Palmer, Yang, maybe Bernardo and Thiago Home. And I think from Feyenoord's point of view, they'll need to be aware of, of the threats we possess as well, you know, as much as vice versa. Absolutely. And you know, that that's that's what I mean, but it's not played on paper. You know, it's there's there's real talent there, and they do have to be considering that. They will be thinking, you know. Celtic traditionally a bit soft belly at the back, you know, we can start fast and all that stuff, but they've got to keep the door closed at the back themselves because even under Rodgers, I mean, dynamically under Ange, but even under Rodgers, we can turn defence and attack very, very quickly. And you've got guys that have the movement of Kyogo. I mean, you know, just to give Celtic media their, their uh, credit, that 360 video they put out, it let you really watch where Kyogo was moving from and to for his, for his goal on Saturday. So there'll be no chance that Feyenoord can switch off at any minute when you've got fast wingers like Maeda, Yang's tricky enough, but you've got the movement of Kyogo. So, yeah, I think there's real, real a real chance for Celtic to, to come away with points here. I've watched Kyogo's goal from Saturday a few times back from the, the different angles. And I like watching it from the centre-half's point of view. I think it's Joe Shaughnessy, the number five for Dundee. And it's like, right, I've got him. I've got him. I've got him. Ah, he turns away for a split second and Kyogo's goes on the shoulder and, and the ball's in the back of the net. And it doesn't matter if you're Joe Shaughnessy or, or somebody from Feyenoord. Fast movement, you know, clever movement is difficult to deal with. And I think that's the threat that Kyogo in particular possesses. And, you know, he could be the key to Celtic getting something. And on that note then, James, what do you think, scoreline, what are you going for? Looking for a Desmond. Same as me. I've got it in paper here. 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. And I think we'd be pretty happy with that. I think you can give me your rationale in a second. From my point of view, I just think that it's it could be quite an open and quite an exciting game. And it's two teams that naturally set up to attack. That's that's just their, their base setting. That's what they look to do. And I think you need a lot of things to go right for you in the day. You need guys to stay fit. You need guys to find a bit of form. Sometimes you need a wee bit of luck. But I think if we get all of those things, Celtic, yeah, could come away with a, a very credible score draw. What's your own thinking behind the, the prediction? Nah, I don't think we're um, tight enough at the back at the moment. I think there's going to be real challenges there and, you know, it'll be a 
full concentration for 90 minutes. Can you get 90 minutes out of Johnson in a, such a fast-paced game? He's only just back to, to match fitness, just about. I'm hoping after Saturday we will see that because he, you know, he, he looked perfectly relaxed um, at the end. So, so you're 90 minutes out of Johnson, that's a big bonus. But the four of them at the back are going to have to be fully concentrated for the full 90 minutes. Um, but I, I do think there's there's challenges there. Um, as we've discussed, we can't pick who our left centre and half is. The other guy is just in the door and the left back speak. So um, with all those things put together, you, you'll struggle to keep a clean sheet. But going forward, we know we can do damage to anyone. So that's why I think there'll be goals and it'll be a share of the spoils. Yeah, we've barely mentioned the last couple of shows there um, since the Dundee game that Alistair Johnson hit the woodwork twice. So if he can manage to find his shooting boots and bring it just inside the post or just under the bar, then we can build a good thing. But I think he's a huge part of what Celtic are doing, actually. And I'd hope that, yeah, you know, after these couple of cameos, he's now ready for a, a 90-minute performance and, and that could be a huge boost for this one. Um, James, just your final thoughts now as we start to look forward to the, the 8 o'clock kickoff on Tuesday. Champions League football is, is what you want, you know. Um, just very excited to have it back. You know, it's great to get the season started, but getting games like us coming up so early on, it's, it's just a buzz. So good luck to all the uh, folks who have travelled out there. I hope it's a, a good time for them and we come back with some points on the board. Yeah, big night ahead and, and definitely want to look forward to. So after a summer of upheaval, Celtic are now set to step back onto the big stage, but will Brendan Rodgers' new-look side have enough about them to put up a credible showing? Here's hoping and time will tell as we fast approach Tuesday's 8pm kickoff. And as always, we'll be back here on the Celtic Exchange Plus after the game with the final whistle show. But in the meantime, from myself and James, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the game. Mm-hmm.